Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. My name is Bill Matz, and I have returned as your director of fun and games for the evening. He's back. I, I he, really he lived. I was really, really afraid that they were going to be like, you know what? Charlie's fine. You're out. <laughs> I, I really I showed I can do the ad reads. Uh, yeah, and now. And that was that was that's the thing that's keeping me in this job. <laughs> of course, I am joined by the uh, number one hockey beat reporter in the city of Philadelphia, Charlie O'Connor. It's me. It was a busy weekend, actually, and not even counting the fact that there was the Eagles game that we were all obviously very excited about. But two preseason games, Friday, Saturday, now another one tonight, so three and four. I, I was talking about this in the uh, in the media room today that usually if it's a three and four for the players, they're exhausted. The thing is that with the exception of Bobby Brink, who we'll get to, no one is playing all three of the four, like all three of the games across the four days. So really it's just torturing the people who write about the team. Yeah, that's We're it. the only yeah. ones who are working all the time. <laughs> it's man. They're, they're pushing Brink and we're going to get in. There's sure going to be a lot of Bobby Brink conversation, his roster battle with uh, Tyson Forster tonight's lineup for the game against the Bruins, two preseason games remaining this might come down to the very last one we will see but first I have to throw it back all the way to Friday well Thursday was great it was awesome to hear you and uh, Kelly and Steph together I look forward to one day being able to you know <laughs> have all four of us in the same place we'll there. or at least on the same show uh, but it was really good but I want to go to your uh, your interview Friday with Jim Jackson Flyers television play-by-play announcer um, you know you, you opened with you know the legendary Jim Jackson and he's really getting to that point like really I was talking is. to my buddy yeah. uh, Frankie on the trip we were listening to your interview with him and like he's never gonna the Flyers will always be fourth. You know, when the team's good again, people will get on the bandwagon, and the, we know their playoff runs will be crazy. But because it's the Flyers, he doesn't get the recognition of you know a Harry or a Fransky or a Merrill. But he's there at this point. Like oh, he's yeah. one of those guys. He's an institution in the Philadelphia like broadcasting community. Like one of our legendary guys. And I don't think he gets that recognition. But I thought that was apt. But I just want to get into a couple yeah, of my it, but yeah, my it, takeaways it, from it, you're, that. You're absolutely right there about JJ. It's funny because like obviously the the voice of the Flyers is going to always, it's always be gonna Gene, be Gene. Hart. It's always going to be Gene Hart. But like. I'm 34 years old. I've only known Jim Jackson. I've only basically. known Jim Jackson yeah. as the call, as the play-by-play guy of the Flyers. It's just I when I got into the team, Gene was retiring. So I I, I acknowledge that for older fans, it will always be Gene Hart. But for for our generation, it's Jim Jackson. It's, that's, that's, that's the only voice we've known. It's the guy we've always known, and yeah. he's still doing a great job. Like it's doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime no. soon. He's very good. But just a couple of my takeaways. Uh, first, him talking about Jonesy and. The their relationship uh, and just you know how people might underestimate him because of the public persona.
persona. Like he's the yeah, funny I think that's guy. Absolutely true. He's freaking yeah. hilarious. He's, he's great. Like if you know him behind the scenes, he's even funnier. But <laughs> you, you also know he's even smarter. Yeah. Like then he lets on. Like I think to be that funny, you have to have a certain level of intelligence. But like when you just hear him talk about the game or really anything, you pick up on that. And that's I think I think JJ did a good job of. Uh, of putting that like it's not he's not just the figurehead like maybe I've stated that a little too like I don't think he's in a figurehead position no he's not but I do think like being the front facing guy and not the mean one <laughs> like torts yeah like is a big part of his responsibility I, I, but he's got a lot more he's going to be more involved with hockey ops than I think we've stated even though i think we understand it we've focused a lot more on the you know pr type spot he's in i think the the big thing with that and because of the way that the role is set up he is in a sense subordinate and my understanding based on what i heard about the hiring process is that there were other people who they interviewed or they approached if to see if they would have interest and some of those people basically said i'm only going to take this job if as president of hockey operations, I am basically running the show. And they said, sorry, that's not the way we envision the role. We want it to be complimentary to John Tortorella and Danny Briere. So if that's the job you're envisioning, you're probably not a good fit. Whereas Jonesy very much was, was open to that. But that said, even though Tortorella and Briere probably will have more direct power in the sense that John Tortorella makes the lineups, coaches the team. Danny Briere is ultimately the person making the decisions as to who they should trade, who they should sign, things like that. Like you don't, and I think I think actually it was Dan Hilford who told me this. I'm pretty sure it was on the record, but he basically said that like you are. I mean, it's nothing bad, uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. it's basically what he said was that you don't bring in someone like Heath Jones and then not take his input not listen to him That's, when he when he suggests things when because he knows what he's talking about when we hear and like jj is not the first person we've heard this from but he says like yeah when we play colorado joe sackick looks for him yeah like okay well He's pretty good. One of the best. Yeah, he's not not the GM anymore. Definitely was one of the best GMs. He's naming certain executives who, when Jonesy was, you know, in town to do the national broadcast, or if they came to Philly and he was on the TV broadcast, like they would seek him out and just be like, "Hey, what do you think?" And if that's ultimately his role, like just pitch in where you think you can, regardless of what department it is—hockey ops, freaking sales. Yeah. If you got to have a good promotion idea, you let us no i think it's going to be a lot of that sort of input and like jj's not the first person to tell us that that other executives seek out jonesy if it's just like hey, what do you think of this guy we're thinking about trading for him like what, what do you think that yeah what, and, what have you seen yeah, what, what have you heard he watched, around like, the, what have you he heard gets, around the league he gets to see yeah. and gets to talk to everyone in the in his yeah. previous roles and, so. and, and there's there's value in that not just not even talking about his his hockey knowledge which yeah. is there but also when you're friends with everyone around the league you know, they say things. They say things like, "Oh yeah, that guy. Like, yeah, he's talented, but he's he's a dick, and he talks shit about his teammates behind their back." And then Jonesy can go to Briere and say, "You know, we maybe don't want that kind of person in our room, even if the numbers say he's a good player." Those are the things that he might be able to bring. I hope, and a lot of those things are details that we're probably not even going to know 
but like we're not even going to know he did that but yeah. hopefully over time if that actually has value we're going to see it in the end result and the end product on the ice uh, just a couple more things about the uh, the JJ interview. If you haven't listened to it yet, what the hell are you doing? Go back to listen to Friday's <laughs> show right there on the podcast feed. Very simple to find. Uh, Charlie did an excellent job. But just a couple other takeaways I had. And they both have to do with a certain level of optimism he has. Now, listen, he's... He's been with the team a long, long time. He's not going to sit here and be like, oh, they're going to suck. And also, but like, he, he would like people to watch the games. Yeah, like, he'd like to be <laughs> speaking to someone. Like, he's, ta- he's <laughs> telling the story of 82 games. He, he'd like someone to be listening <laughs> exactly. to it. But he's not going to flat out say they're going to suck. But he sees a path to, if not, you know, obviously contention, relevance. And one of the first things he said, like he offered certain caveats, and it was two that we speak about all the time. Well, if Couturier and Atkinson are healthy and back to the level they were, they're going to be a, 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 a somewhat be- a better, better team. team yeah. I, with the blue line and the shape it is, I don't know if anything's going to make them better, but more watchable team because those are two competent NHL players in Fair. the lineup every night and two top six guys, which they had very few of last year. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he also said, if oh, Carter Hart is here the whole year. Now... This could mean a number of things. One, Carter Hart has an injury history. Yeah, he gets banged up He sometimes. gets banged up. He misses yeah. time. If he plays the 60 games he could potentially play and is pretty good in them, they're going to have a chance. Trade, suspension are the other two ways to interpret yeah. it. How did you interpret it? Uh, you know, one thing I could say is that I, I don't, don't... think he's going to come out and say I, he's well, getting suspended. Also, you know? I don't believe that he knows i don't believe that anyone knows i don't think this is a situation where he has inside information that carter hart's going to be suspended in a week and he just can't say it i just think that he like other all the rest of us are looking at the situation from the outside and saying i can't rule out the possibility that at some point during the season the nhl is going to release this report and carter Hart might be involved in it and if he's involved in it he might get punished like we can't rule out that possibility but i don't think this is a situation where like I don't think anybody knows anything. And I think that is the... It's hard for, I think, some fans to believe that, like, actually the people in the organization don't know what's going on. Like, I'm sure they have more information than we do. I'm sure they've had conversations with Hart. I'm sure they at least have a better understanding of of his potential involvement or what he claims he didn't, wasn't involved in, things like that. But I really don't think the Flyers have a clue when, if and when the NHL is going to release anything. And... That's unbelievably frustrating from a fan and coverage perspective, but it's got to be unbelievably frustrating from an organizational perspective, too, because we've talked about it. Number one, he's a starting goalie, one of the most important pieces on the team. Number two, he's a guy who could potentially get traded, and they can't really do that until there's some sort of resolution to this. Like His contract situation is such that they need answers. And like again... There's bigger things going on, but this is the show about hockey, so we're talking about how it affects the organization. It would really be nice for them if they had some freaking answers. Yeah. I don't need to know. Whatever happens, happens. I have no control over it, and hopefully it's you know, whatever happens is the right thing, right. whatever. Uh, but like I, when it happens, for okay, cool, I know. But from there, they're planning their future. Yeah, it, 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 You have to be a little frustrated. And just one more part. Um, 
Uh, JJ says he's not going to go into a season thinking like the team has no chance sure. because that would come, that would come across like I'm going to yeah. have to do this. <laughs> I can't be like, well, this is pointless. Yeah, like, he, so yeah, I get he, that. he can't be the uh, the commentator for Major League just like drinking but, while he's watching. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but. I, we, we got a question, and I don't think we're going to get to this one later on, mm-hmm. so I'm going to ask it now from, uh, from John Burner. He says, say the Flyers make the playoffs. Are you happy? It's a really interesting question. It is. Well, because – so I am very much of the belief – I think they need one more big early draft piece. Like, I think you, you've got Mitch Koff. You're hoping he's the stud you think he is. Scored another goal today, apparently. It was a really nice one. Saw it on, uh, saw it on Twitter. Um, and then you've got Gautier, who probably turns pro at the end of his college season. So you got two. I think they need one more, like, top five pick type of talent and this is probably the year to get that guy preferably in my mind it would be a defenseman because i think we we all agree they're going to need that number one it doesn't seem like they have that number one in the organization right now like cam york he's good i don't think he's going to be that good emil andre i'm high on they're not going to be able to try to steal one from the predators yeah well i mean the last (laughs) one that really didn't work out but but anyway um better flyers career weber or ellis yeah right I, i think that's a really good question. Um, From Bill and Sewell. Yeah, right. I, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, I think it's best for them to be bad for another year and get that one more blue chip prospect. That said, playoff I mean, hockey's fun. Playoff hockey's fun. It would be great for us. I mean, yeah. when the team's good, more people listen. listen. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, but also, and you mentioned this, we, I mentioned this with JJ, you mentioned it on our outline. It's just that, if they make the playoffs or make a run at the playoffs because a lot of the like second tier guys if a couple of those guys take the leap then yeah is it annoying that they're they would be take be drafting 15th rather than third yeah it, it would be but they're but, ahead of schedule and they're going to be ahead of schedule yeah, with plenty of cap space exactly like, so, like, like if, that's if that's fine. if that's because as jj talked about on friday that's because owen tippett becomes a 40 goal scorer yeah. if that's because noah cates goes 60 points and looks like a legitimate second line center yeah Yeah. like then then it actually isn't the worst thing because it just means the timeline can be sped up a little bit and you still have mitch coff and gotier but if they're to the other end of that if carter hart just has a 930 save percentage on a team that stinks but they get the second wild card because that's what happens sometimes you get goalied that's not good for anyone. It's not the only pot- playoff experience is big. Yeah, the, the only potential benefit there could be if Carter Hart goes nuts, Raises then maybe his, you could yeah. trade him for more. <laughs> and they already do have the two first round picks. It's right. just like I don't expect Florida to stink this year. Yeah, and it's either. top ten protected for this season if they do. Yeah. So it gets punted to next year. Yeah. Uh, and if then the Flyers are drafting, you know, in the Sanheim spot. We know what happens there. Yeah, you can you, get lucky, yeah, but you, you often, can get you can get good players. Yeah. But unless you you strike gold on a Claude Drew, you're probably getting the level of guys that this team is already filled with. You know, guys that are good players but not great players. The thing that they already have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Truly, uh, I bet you. I, I've had it written down somewhere, but I forget now. If you want to bet on the Flyers to make the playoffs, you can get some pretty damn good odds if you're confident in that. And if you're going to do it. 
You should do it at DraftKings. Sure should. Uh, football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? It's DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. But nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this season. Get in on the NFL Week 4 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code PHLY to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill and Casino Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligible terms and responsible gaming resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply bill i think that was your best one yet i had to get my job back Charlie. <laughs> i badly need this job it's, that was good I, things I, are going too well i don't think you slipped once i, I think that think was a perfect was, read i think that was the best one i have done uh, it is now time to get into tonight's action if you want to bet on preseason hockey you have a problem. Call, <laughs> call, call it on a uh, oh my God! Let's go to uh, let's go to some of the preseason notes uh, coming out of the weekend that we've had. Uh, the Flyers went one in three in their September preseason action. They will kick off their uh, October slate couple of games this month before the season officially begins on the twelfth. Uh, they looked more competitive over the weekend and. You know, we're, Bobby Brink looking pretty nice. He's he's on the brink, <laughs> one might even say. He is. He is back in the lineup tonight, as you alluded to. His third game in four days. Uh, Forster was out of the lineup on uh, what was Saturday. Saturday. In Saturday's game, it yeah. was just Brink in there. So uh, I guess that's the first thing I'll ask about is the Brink versus Forster competition I, for I think, the I think it's fair for the one I guess maybe there's a fourth line spot open but it doesn't seem there like really it really isn't there isn't like, like it. paling's been good and that's kind of the yeah. okay so it's this is it this yeah. is the the 12th or the ninth spot in the top nine yeah Forster versus Brink um Forster might just be kind of more a torts guy, and he really liked what he saw out of him. But the way I'm looking at this right now, I want to know just your impression of my impression. Bobby Brink might be a necessary evil <laughs> because he just brings this extra spark mm. of creativity and offense that they don't have. Like Forster fits the mold of what they're looking for maybe a little bit more, but Brink has something that few other guys if any in the lineup have i think the one thing with brick and, and we'll get into this a little bit later about me handicapping yeah. who's going to ultimately win this job but the one thing that brink brings to the table that forrester doesn't although forrester brings this too just in a different way brink has the potential to to be 
the guy creating plays on the power play. Like, Forrester, if he hits a ceiling, is going to be a power play weapon, but he's going to be a shooter. Like, Brink could potentially be that Giroux, and not to say he's going to be Claude Giroux, but the guy who sets everybody up. Claude Giroux, for like eight years, was one of the best power play setup men in the... But everyone yeah. understands. It's just like, that's a really... You could be really good at it and not be Claude exactly. Giroux. Exactly. But the thing is, they don't really have anybody that can that's do the that. Thing, yeah. That's the thing. Like, you know, Owen Tippett, real high on him. He's more of a shooter. Connect isn't he's it's not that he he's lack, not one or the other yeah, it's not that he lacks playmaking ability he's just not that type of guy and he's so versatile that you can like they had him at times last year like okay you're going to create from behind the net and then you're going to come out yeah. and be like one of the net front like he moves around he, he's he's just more versatile like he's not just i'm going to stand on the half wall and dish awesome passes yeah. he does other things yeah but brink could potentially be that guy i think he his weaknesses are in large part because he doesn't have the high-end straight-line speed, because he's smaller, he can lose battles. Those weaknesses are kind of mitigated a little bit, not even just a little bit, a lot, when you're set up on the half wall on a power play when the other team has one fewer guy out there. And Brink could provide value in that role, which is exciting and does make you think, like, man, do we need to find a spot for this guy? To me, the big reason why he's in the mix, though, is just because he's earned it. You know, I came into this camp thinking that he was a serious long shot, in large part because it was hard for me to imagine that he was going to outplay Tyson Forrester, and that was the only spot that was available to him was the Forrester spot. Well, so far, I would say that he has outplayed Tyson Forrester. Now, I don't necessarily think that's going to continue, and it is worth noting that while both of those guys did not play all that well in the rookie games, Forrester was decent just not great brink was actively bad so really with brink what we're talking about is the last four or five days of camp brink has come on now that's good and it turns into an actual competition is that ultimately enough to get him the job how much I'm skeptical how much of a lead like does he have to erase exactly. you know like this thing isn't even yeah like forster's ahead and it's okay we're gonna have to go by you know some some variation of like goal differential but just perception of them like how much of a lead does he actually need to overcome with forster because to this point he has outplayed him but is that part even going to matter and like we have uh tonight's lineup we and we have a graphic for tonight's lineup and i think tonight's lineup is telling it's you, telling you because it, and it, it, it shows you number one brink is in the mix he's getting his third game of four nights they want to see him they want to see if he can keep making this case but despite the fact that he had both those games despite the fact that he you know he had a really good game on friday he had a good game on saturday he's still on the fourth line forster is in the spot where you look at and you say that's going to be his spot if he makes the team you would think if brink was legitimately ahead of forster that they would have flipped the two that forrester would be with paling and allison brink would be with cates and lawton the fact that forrester is in that top nine spot that he's aiming for tells me that he's still ahead doesn't mean that brink can't pass him but despite the fact that brink has had these strong last four or five days forrester is still in the driver's seat it's just that now he's got someone you know banging on his bumper a little bit uh just a couple other when you look at the top nine especially here um and you know atkinson had some time with couturier and connectney over the weekend right. so maybe he's on that line and Farabee's down or whatever but when you look at the top nine is that what we're expecting yeah i i think you know the the actual mix we'll see yeah, yeah. but you know in terms of what the actual lines are going to be but yeah i would say that's your your chalk look you know you've got everybody where they're where they should be in terms of position you know they've said that they want to have owen Tippett at least start the season out on left wing playing his offside so he's there one thing i i do think was a real 
it was just reassuring coming out of Saturday's game. Number one, Sean Gouturier looked a lot more like Sean Gouturier. And number two, Cam Atkinson looked pretty good. Like, he he was mostly invisible in the first period, and he more or less told us after the game that, yeah, the first period was a little dicey for he me. Said, yeah, but yeah. second and third period, he looked pretty much like the old Cam Atkinson. Like, that that trio, the Konechny, Kateri, Atkinson trio, which they pretty much exclusively rolled with in the third period, but they were already doing it a bit in the second because, shocker, the Brennan Ferry experiment did and not hold. I want to... But, but that line looked really good. And it just, it makes you feel better, not saying straight up that they're going to be the same guys they were pre-injury, but it gave me more confidence that they, that they could be. When you now see, because in the article you wrote about it, you were critical of the decision not to play Forster and to go with a couple of yeah. invites instead of him. Um, now when we see, all right, and Forster's on the third line and Brink is on the fourth, do you think that decision was more... It was more about let's just get these guys a game before we send them home, send them to Lehigh, whatever, than it was about like Forster. Like, I, like do you think Forster's so far ahead? They're like, it's it's fine. We don't even need to play him. No, I, I don't okay. think he's that far ahead. I do think he's ahead. I, I don't think that this Brink surge has changed that. I just think that Brink is now in the mix, whereas before I don't think he really was, especially given because like we talked to and maybe in the mix for a first call up. Yeah, like we thought or, maybe that guy would be Desnoyers. Yeah, well, you know, we talked to Rocky Thompson on Friday. This was before they went up to Boston, and like Rocky Thompson, great interview number one, but number two, he was very blunt. And this is something that I noticed during the rookie games, but like you don't expect a coach to straight up call a guy out in the media for it. Like Brink spent most of those rookie games, particularly the second rookie game, spent most of those rookie games cherry picking. He was hanging out at the at the opposing blue line, just waiting for someone to send him a home run pass. And Thompson basically said, like, we had to talk to him about reloading and about back checking and that, look, we know you think you're gonna make this team by, you know, by scoring goals, but you're also not going to make this team if you're playing zero defense at all. And I think for whatever reason, Brink to start camp thought it was going to be all about like, let me score these goals by cherry picking and being Alex Ovechkin. And it was kind of the moment when he realized, Oh no, I have to actually play some defense that his camp sort of that, turned around. That honestly really worries me. Not like, listen, uh, I, I think you can survive a player like that. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with it. If you have, you know, 11 responsible forwards and one dude who's like, I'm going to try to cheat for a little bit of offense. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Uh, what concerns me is he's heard of John Tortorella before, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> like you, you know who this dude is? <laughs> you think you're going to get ahead by choosing that sort of a tactic to try to create some offense? I don't think he's interested in a guy like that. But if they just had to be like, listen, man, you have to just back up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. When you get the chance, take off, but you have to play some defense. Yes. You have to at least stand in the right place, yes. you know? But, but my, my point yeah. that I was making was essentially that this is a guy who did not get off to a great start to camp, did not have the season last year, and a lot of it was due to the injury, the recovery from hip surgery, but he didn't have the season that Tyson Forrester had last year. He just did it. Tyson Forrester was one of the key guys on that Lehigh Valley team. And then he came up in the NHL and impressed everybody. So Forrester came into this camp with the edge. The first half of this camp, he was better than Brink. Now Brink's turning the tables a little bit, but like Brink has more to prove 
Forrester is still leading. He's still got the edge. Now, if tonight Brink scores two goals and Forrester's invisible, then it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But at least in the here and now, I think Forrester is still the favorite to win that job. Uh, and that's we're going to see a lot more of that competition tonight and sure, certainly tomorrow's show, which we are at 2 th- 2.30, I think. I think it's a 2.30 show. So we'll be talking about it uh, more tomorrow's show. But just a little bit more on tonight's lineup against Boston. Uh, it's a home game. And we're, we're Like I said, we're seeing a lot of the uh, a lot of the dudes we presume are going to be in the NHL. Uh, someone who did impress over the weekend after maybe not looking... Oh, yeah, he's he's back and ready to go. Joel Farabee looks a lot more like he's coming into coming into his own after, you know, kind of a lost season last year, turned it on a bit at the end, was able to strength train, get bigger and and all that. And and right away, uh, looked pretty good against Boston, intercepts a pass, takes it the other way, beats the Vezina winner for the to open the scoring. Uh, Now he's up on that top line. Is that what we're expecting? Like. I want this for Farabee so bad because he just seems like such a necessary piece for whatever the hell this thing's going to be going forward. Like, he's here. He was a first-round pick. He has high upside. We can't have missed on Farabee. And I'm just really hoping, like, this is the first line. Like, I want to see him be on because he earned this spot with Couturier and Connect. Yeah, well, Farabee, and you look at it, and yeah, they've moved Owen Tippett over to the left side because they just have so many goddamn right wings. Yeah. But Joel Farabee is, on paper, their top-of-the-depth chart natural yeah. left wing. So the opportunity is going to be there. And, you know, he wasn't perfect on Friday in that game. He, he had that really great play with the, you know, creating the turnover, you know, beating Linus Olmar clean. But then he had another turnover that led to a Boston goal. So he wasn't perfect, but he does. He looks a lot stronger. He looks a touch quicker. And you're hoping that, as all these guys are trying to do, he shakes the rust off and is is good to go and can get off to a good start this year. Because as we talked about, he's a guy who... Tortorella gave him a pass for last year. He's not going to give him a pass for this year. Farabee needs to win towards over still. That was a that was a pass that had to be like brokered. Yeah. Like they had to. It wasn't <laughs> like okay, I understand. It was. Listen, man, I couldn't lift weights. <laughs> <laughs> My neck hurts. Yeah. I have to figure. And then like they came to the understanding. All right, fresh start this year. Uh, If you're looking for a fresh start for this tailgating, I don't know. Uh, Let me tell you about our friends at FOCO. (laughs) FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Listen, it's football and tailgating season. Red October starts tomorrow, Charlie. I cannot wait to be out there. You were at uh, at Dylan's tailgate, I presume. I was yesterday. yesterday. Uh, It looked crisp. I wasn't home yet, but it was still hot as hell in New Orleans. But that is not the case here. So if you're looking for all the gear you need for tailgating season overalls hoodies hats sunglasses bags everything you need for a game you get it at foco but that's not all because if you're looking beyond team apparel if you're looking for accessories toys collectibles novelty items anything you need to maybe build a she shed or a podcast studio (laughs) man cave they have it at foco Uh, foco always has our back for philly sports and they have yours too get the best gear around by using the link in the description of this show and for all non-presale items Use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. Uh, a little bit more looking at tonight's lineup. The guys that are actually still here presumably have an opportunity to uh, make this team. I want to look at the defense now. 
York, Ristolainen, and yeah, we assume they're in. Yeah, they're on. <laughs> you this would team. think, right? Yeah. Sanheim, he's on this team. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, we have quite a bit going on now. Zamula probably will make it, but what his role will be because he's not waiver exempt. I doubt they're going to give him up. But that's one of the first things I wanted to ask about was Igor Zamula. And I pulled this uh, out of one of your pieces from over the weekend, Charlie. Uh, you're talking about potentially losing Zamula on waivers. You said, given his upside as a potential top four NHL defenseman, is that a Charlie belief or an organizational belief? I mean, it's Do we think top four is still in the cards? It's for definitely him? a Charlie belief, to be sure. Okay. But, but I, think that, I think that the organization... Look, if they... If the organization had pivoted to believing that Zamola is only going to max out as a third pair guy, they I don't think they would be they would care that much about the possibility of losing him okay. on waivers. Like they look at him and they see a high upside guy. Now, when I say high upside, I don't mean they look at him and they see a potential number one. If he was gonna be that, he would probably be an NHLer by now. Yeah, but no, I, I think they like him a lot. And I will say so the game he played was Friday. I thought he was great. I he was paired with Sandheim. I would not be shocked if they find a way, if they, if Zamul has another good game tonight, maybe Zamul does start the season in the lineup, and you maybe have a Zamul Sanheim pairing like that, because that pairing in my mind was really really successful on Friday. I thought not only did Zamul look really good, but Sanheim looked great. That's and, I and, really like. That's a duo that maybe could create some chemistry. Like I look Nick Sealer. Solid year, solid year last year. Sean Walker, maybe a play, and maybe you can get a pick for him at the deadline. But like, I'd much rather watch Igor Zamul than Nick Sealer or Sean Walker. Sorry, I just would. I mean, one has a chance to be on this team when they're in the playoffs again, and two don't. Exactly. Like that's, exactly. As I like Nick Sealer a lot, I don't think he's part of the future. No, here. He, he would even acknowledge he's probably not part of the future. Yeah. But I, I'm. I was a bit concerned about Zamula going into this camp because, number one, he was coming off of the surgery, the offseason surgery, so you were worried, is he going to get off to a slow start? And then, number two, I was worried because, yeah, I didn't think they were going to, to waive him because I didn't think they wanted to risk the possibility of somebody else picking him up. They still think highly of him as a prospect, even if last year didn't go great. But... I was worried about the possibility of him making the team and then being the seven and getting two games in October. And then you're like, okay, is this actually helping his development at all? Because he's just sitting there because he's not truly physically ready to be in the NHL. He had, he didn't play well enough in camp to earn a, to earn a lineup spot. So we just have him here because what else are we going to do with him? The Zamula who showed up on Friday looked to me like a guy who is NHL ready and deserves to be in the NHL lineup for game one. So I'm going to be watching him real closely tonight because if he has another really good game, then I, I honestly look at him as someone who, who should have the inside track to be in this opening night lineup. And which veteran he pushes out, I don't know. But look, you got to focus on developing these kids. And if Igor Zamula has, continues the strong camp that he really, I would say he like kicked it off on Friday because it's hard to tell what scrimmages and practices and whatever. But if he has another strong preseason game, to me, the idea of him starting the season out as the second pair defensive with Travis Sanheim, I don't think that's an outlandish that's an outlandish idea by any means. And just uh, continuing with the defense, this third pair that they're dressing tonight, a couple of guys, I don't know if it's surprising that they're still around, but the, the NHL roster starting to take shape. Like we said, like with the forwards, it's uh, what? 10 of 12 guys are probably going to be in the NHL lineup on opening night tonight. Yeah. And then look at that third pair defense. Ronnie Adderd and uh, Anna Jinning, both in the lineup. 
they really liked those two as a pair with the Phantoms right. last year, correct? Right. Yes. It was they really liked the chemistry. They thought that they worked well together. They're both still here. Is there an outside chance we have like is there a chance this is the defense? That would be wild. Like, and, uh, that, that would be that would be like, crazy. Mark Stoll probably going to factor in, yeah, but you maybe think not. Stahl's They've starting. already told us it could be not every night, which he's also kind of here as a mentor and uh, a player coach and help be the bridge to Tortorella. So he's not just here because oh, we need to give him top four minutes because that's what we have to do. We have to have a vet yeah. like, in those in that role. Is it possible like 40, 50 times this year this is the defense? Could be. You know, they could find ways to mix and match. I don't think I don't think either Adder nor Jenning has done enough in this camp to earn an NHL job out of camp. Now that could change. We got another week. We got two more preseason games. Obviously, they're both getting the look tonight. But Adder in particular, Jennings just been fine. And maybe that's enough because they really like him. And maybe Maybe what I see is Adam Jennings just being fine. They look at it and they're like, no, that's exactly what we want because we just like his style. And we think that his, you know, his brand of, you know, you don't notice him, but that means he's good, that they like that. Adder, on the other hand, I thought Adder was really good. Well, maybe not really good. I thought he had a really rough first period on Wednesday. And then I thought in the second and third periods, he was by far the best defenseman on the team. He was doing the most. He was active. He was playing his game. I thought he had a rough game on Saturday. I thought positionally, there were there were too many times I saw him either get too uh, pulled too far over to one side in coverage or, and this happened on a couple occasions, he would get pulled too far up in the neutral zone and then he would get beat for a stretch pass behind him or a flip pass or something because he just wasn't in the right spot. Like, we talked to John Tortorella today after, uh, well, it was actually during practice, but Tortorella was talking about the defense. And I, I say what you will about Torts, I love the fact that he just doesn't lie. Like, he just tells you exactly what he thinks about a player. And I almost laughed at this one because he's talking about the defensive players that are in the mix. And he says, Victor Mete's had a good camp. Ronnie, we'll play again tonight. <laughs> it's just like, it's like he's, this guy's been good. This guy's been good. This guy's here. Like he, he, he's he's there. He's he's a body. And 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 Ford's then funny. later elaborated and said, I, I thought he struggled a bit on Saturday, but we want to give him another shot. So to me, I think both those guys are going to get NHL games this year. To me, I don't think either, at least so far, has done enough to bang the door down, especially when you're looking at somebody like Zamula, who I think on Friday had the kind of game where you're like, yeah, that's what that's what I want to see the defensive prospects do to, to earn a spot. Andre is the other one who's intriguing. He didn't play, or he's not going to play in tonight's game. I thought Saturday night's game was the closest we've seen to the Andre that was promised. I don't think he was perfect, but I think he was, generally speaking, the guy who I saw at development camp and during rookie camp, best outlet passer on the ice, for the Flyers at least. I don't think he's better than Dougie Hamilton, but... <laughs> Best outlet pass on the ice for the Flyers, without a doubt. And he just did things. No, like so the he, fifth favorite for Doors. Yeah, you right? don't think maybe he's... Yeah, he might be a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. But I was very, very happy to see Andre look more like the guy I believe him to be. I think it might be too late because he didn't have the greatest start to camp. He struggled in a lot of his early preseason games. But it reminded me that, like, there's still a real good... Pro there's a real good prospect here, and it's not like it's just not going to translate. Uh, I want to keep... Uh, before before the next break, I want to keep going with uh, tonight's skaters, at least uh, that lineup, because, man, I, I look at this. I look at this fourth line. Uh, we already talked about Bobby Brink, um, but he with Paling and Allison. It's not 
Do you think they would ever have the stomach for such a fourth line? No. Like, do you well, think n- that would not ever... with the guys they have? Like, there's not n- while they have Garnet Hathaway and here and Deloria. Yeah. Like, they're not going to bench both those guys. Okay. Especially because I mean, Brink but, is not a traditional fourth line. No, he's just that's, not. And that's really like Allison kind of fits yeah. the mold. Yeah. But I, I just look at those two and I see them together, and like, yes, it's the quote unquote fourth line, but. Man, they looked like they had some chemistry. <laughs> they looked like they had some chemistry on that goal. I mean, yeah. uh, Andre yeah. with the outlet pass to get it going. Uh, but then the give-and-go play between the two, uh, down well, low. Well, so fun, funny story about that give-and-go. So Was it a mistake? Well, well, so this is the thing. <laughs> it looked really cool in yeah. real time. I, I, I slowed down the tape, and it's like... I don't know if Allison actually meant to do that because it looks like lost it looked like he, it. it looked like he whiffed, and then we asked Al, we asked Allison after the game, and he basically just like gave a little smirk. He's like, "Oh no, I planned it." it was like, no, it was it was a totally a mistake. Like, I, listen, <laughs> sometimes sometimes the uh, happy accidents are end up right, and I just want to see a little bit more of those two together. And and I think honestly that might have been their thought. The, is that uh, hey, they showed some chemistry. We just want to see Brink in another game. Yeah, yeah, he's not going to be on the fourth line in game one if he makes this team he's not going to be on the fourth line probably period if he's on the NHL team but we like the chemistry with him and Allison and Paling's had a strong camp yeah Paling it looks like Paling we talked about that early in camp uh, maybe that's a spot that could be vulnerable, like that four C, one of the one of the bottom three guys. Like maybe the paling spot. It seems as if he's kind of cemented his place there. He can skate. Yeah. He's got a little offensive upside. I like what I've seen out of paling thus far. You know, I was right all along about him. Quite honestly, uh, <laughs> should have won that Calder. Should have won that Calder with <laughs> six goals or whatever. Whatever he had that season, oh he might have only had one that year and then like got demoted right. I can't remember what it was, but anyway. Um, Allison is still here. Lazinski's still here, not playing tonight. I would assume Allison tonight, maybe Lazinski in the final game, something like that if, happens. If Lazinski's still here. You know, because okay. if, if they if they decide they're demoting Lazinski, they're gonna have to have him they're gonna have to put him through waivers first. Okay. So I don't know if he's gonna be still around by Thursday. He might be. And and look, I, I like Tanner Lazinski. I've I've long been Allison's better. I've right? long been a fan of him as a prospect. But yeah, I mean Allison, you would think, has the leg up in terms of, of sticking on this roster more so than Lazinski. But is it surprising that both are still here and Desnoyer isn't. Um, I would say so. I don't think I don't think I agree with that dichotomy because I think that Allison and Lazinski were always still going to be here through most of camp, if not okay. all of camp. I am a little surprised though that Desnoyer is gone this early. And that's not to say I don't think it's warranted. I'm just surprised because I I thought he was going to show more at this camp. He had I know he had Joel Farabee as his line mate on I believe Friday. Um, I think it was Farabee and Forrester. So he had good line mates on Friday. They gave him that one last chance. Like okay, we're gonna put you in position. Show us something. He didn't show anything. And he was one of the guys, he was one of the reasons we thought that paling spot might be a little vulnerable because we keep hearing about how he does all the little things right and maybe he doesn't have the top six upside, but he can play in your bottom six, no problem, and he plays center and wing. He's versatile. Didn't show it. He's gone. Wade now. Wade and Allison. Wade and Allison. <laughs> Allison and Lazinski still here, but you don't think maybe it was a competition. Like, no. there's a little bit different. They're in different spots in their 
developmental yeah, and, stages. And I also just think it just comes down to how you did in camp. Like, he I just don't, wasn't good enough. Yeah, like, I don't think Samu Tuamal is making this team, but he's had a good camp, so he's still here. Okay. Like, they're not at a point yet where they have to be cutting people. If you've played well and you deserve to still be here, you're still here. L.A. Denoye, and I still think very highly of him as a prospect. I think he's going to ultimately be an effective NHL bottom sixer. He just didn't have a good camp. He just didn't didn't stand out. He didn't do the things that make him an effective player. He didn't show them enough. And it's kind of like, sorry, you know, go down to the AHL and work your way back up, kid. Like John Tortorella said, this is like the second or third time in camp where he's he said, I'm not going to name name. I'm not going to name the name. I'm not going to tell you who the player is. But and then he gives us an anecdote. And it's so glaringly obvious <laughs> who the anecdote is about. Like there was one on the first day of camp where he basically said, I'm not going to tell you the name. It, so say, hey, Elliot. Yeah. But, but seriously, <laughs> like he has this, com- this, this comment on the first day of camp where he says, there's a guy. I'm not going to tell you his name, but he didn't have a great year last year. We didn't really. You know, we didn't really click um, personality wise. And I called and we had a good conversation. And that player told me that I feel like I know how to like, I know how to interact with you better. And I'm just like, you could have just said it was Travis Sanheim. We all know it was <laughs> Travis Sanheim. Like you didn't say his name, but like, come on, the context clues. And today he did another one of those things where he basically said, you know, we cut a guy. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but it was a guy who really was impressive last year. And I had, I, I made, I made a point to give him a phone call yesterday to kind of tell him why he didn't make it and what he needs to do to get back up here and that it's not that we don't like you as a player it's just that you didn't have a good camp and it was so glaringly obvious that it was L.A. Tainoy. But both of those anecdotes I think demonstrate something that's very important Um, last year there was, there seemed to be a little bit of a communication issue with and certain like, players to be with sure. With certain guys, yeah. and it was like, all right, the guys who get along with him get it, and it's fine, and the ones who don't, it might be a little shitty. And <laughs> like, Sanheim was one of those guys, and they had the conversation. Yeah. And Desnoyers, it's like you didn't make the team, but I'm going to have the conversation and tell you what's expected, and now you, this is how you can get back here. That's very encouraging. Like, he'll still be John Tortorella, but he's going to continue to grow with this team. And if he's here for the long term, whether it's coach, executive, whatever the hell he's going to be, it's important that he continues to have, like, not just be like, well, I'm going to the Hockey Hall of Fame. So, like, you learn John Tortorella or you go home. Yeah. Like, he's going to continue to grow as well. I think that's yeah. important. No, I think it's big, too, because, and this is something we talked about a lot over the last two weeks, is just this idea of John Tortorella's fit with a rebuild and you know he basically said hey I was coaching last year as if we were rebuilding whether I was allowed to say it or not (laughs) that said like this is him at least to start you never know what's going to happen in the season maybe he you know falls in love with his vets and none of the kid prospects get to play on defense because he loves Sean Walker and uh, and Nick Sealer but these are the types of things that it, it hints that he's really bought into this idea of I'm the head coach of a, re- a rebuilding team and I'm going to act like I'm the head coach of a rebuilding team. When he was first hired, and we're going to move on, I, but <laughs> when he was first hired, he spoke so much about how it was important to him. Like he didn't just take this job because it was a job. Yeah. He took it because restoring the Flyers was something he felt strongly about. And we talked about like that legacy, like, yes, he won a cup in Tampa and he's like, he's got a ton of wins, but he's not like tied to any one place specifically. He's been, he's been around several organizations. He's been around the block. If he's going to restore the flyers, 
it's not going to be by playing Sean Walker. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a good point. Oh, yeah. We made the playoffs as the eighth seed, but you got, no one got any yeah, we, better. Yeah. We got torched yeah, like, by the Canes. No one got <laughs> any better yeah. through the whole season. Like, that's not going to restore the Flyers. The rebuild is. So yeah. he's going to be bought in on that because it's what his vision is. We're talking about tonight's game, though, Charlie. And you know, it's going to be in a few hours. It's going to be game time. Hey, that's right. It's going to be game time. And buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with kill- killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have game time this is the place for last minute ticket deals forget planning months in advance game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball i like how you threw hockey in when we've been doing well, this for a weeks hockey podcast. Yeah, we've been doing this for weeks and i never thought like hmm they don't say hockey here. <laughs> Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time to Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, before we move on to the mailbag, which we will talk, which we will do for five minutes and probably spend <laughs> more time on tomorrow than on actual mailbag Monday, uh, we have to talk about the goalie situation. Right. We were extremely critical, and as was anyone with eyes, of Cal Peterson's first action of the preseason. Uh, bounced back, bounced back huge on Friday with his game was not nearly as. Uh, confused looking in the net and uh, now he's going to back up Urson tonight. Looks like Urson's going to get the full game. Has he played himself back into an actual competition? Yeah, I think he's back in the competition. I still think he's probably behind Urson who is getting this full game. Like Peterson's going to be dressing, but assuming that all goes well and Urson does get injured, he's not going to see the ice. He's just there for insurance. But Peterson, to his credit, on Friday, you know, he comes in midway through the game First goal he gives up, not the best. You know, it kind of was another one of those leaky ones where on Monday he kind of got bailed out when a few pucks, pucks slipped through him and then his teammates were able to kind of protect him, keep him from going in. This one slipped through and you're like, ugh, more Cal Peterson. By the end of that game, Cal Peterson was on. I mean, he made a couple absolutely monster saves at the end of regulation to, to take that game to overtime. They obviously ultimately win in the shootout. He looked good and... You know, none of this is bad. Like, I ultimately don't think Cal Peterson gets the backup job, but it's a good thing for the Flyers if this guy isn't total garbage because, number one, they might have to use him at some point in the year. Number two, even if he ultimately spends the whole year in the AHL, they like for that AHL team to be good. Number they like- three, hey, Tampa. Hey, hey, yeah, you know, you need a $5 million cap hit goalie? <laughs> well, I, don't I, mean, think, I don't think they can fit that. Two and a half million. Two and a half million, yeah. yeah but <laughs> they, they're going to want a good AHL team. They're going to have a lot of prospects uh, cooking down there, and they'd rather have a goalie who isn't, you know, sub 900 Garbage. down yeah. there. Yeah. So good to see that he bounced back. It wasn't like Monday was all his fault. Yes, no. he looked bad, he looked but bad. everybody looked bad in front of him. He too. did not look good, period. 
Yeah. The team yeah. sucked, period. Like, yes. Both are true. Yes. Uh, and we're going to kick off just another Mailbag Monday uh, talking about the goaltending, kick things off with a uh, question from our old friend Jay at J- Jay Hockey Fan, a longtime uh, post-game listener. He's, he's one of my all-time favorite okay, fans cool. of ours. Cool. Uh, he asks, will the organization's goaltender depth allow them to make a trade to address other current and or future needs, or does this all depend on what happens with the Hockey Canada investigation? Obviously, the Hockey Canada, whatever happens with uh, Carter Hart, whether he wants to sign a long-term deal after that. Like, the whole Carter Hart situation is always looming. But I'm going to move to the organizational depth part of this question. I feel like goalie prospects never get traded. It's kind of rare. I mean, it does happen, but it doesn't happen that often. And plus, you, you look at it, like... Who would they? You want to see them play in the NHL first? Who would they trade? So Hart, obviously, he might get moved, especially if it turns out that he wasn't involved with this hockey Canada situation. He could get traded, or they could resign him, and he could be part of this for the future. Sam Erson, from my understanding, is a guy where I have always gotten the sense, and this could flip if he establishes himself as an NHL starter. I've always gotten the sense the Flyers have long been higher on Urson than the hockey world at large this is, is a, on Urson. This is an internal thing. Yeah, that the Flyers think that the rest of the hockey world is sleeping on him. And I think that's still the case, even though now there are probably more people in the league that think, yeah, that Urson guy might actually be something. I think I still think the Flyers are higher on him than industry consensus. Felix Sandstrom, I don't think, has any trade value at all. I don't even think he's getting claimed if and when they waive him at the end of camp. Cal Peterson has negative trade value. We just saw that. L.A. had to pay the the Flyers to take that deal on, essentially. And then you have a bunch of prospects. Like, guys like, you know, Kolosov, he's interesting. I don't think they're going to... The thing with prospects is that, especially if, like... The Flyers aren't buyers right now, okay? So it's not like they are trading prospects to get a win-now player. And if you do a prospect-for-prospect prospect trade, that tells you that the organization doesn't think the prospect is that good. And I think they like all their goalie prospects right now. So, yeah, I think I think they could move a goalie, but I just it's hard, it's hard for me to see who they would move aside from hard, and obviously that's a complicated situation on a number of levels. Uh, let's try to get a couple more in before we have to wrap up today. Uh, I like a good inside baseball question. Uh, at Dylan Robillard asks, Charlie, do writers, journalists, press travel with the team on the team plane and expenses paid, or do you need to pay your own way or even take a different plane? So interesting question. I actually didn't realize that people wondered about this. So in the old days, the the journalist traveled with the team on the plane. Yeah. That is really not the case anymore. I, I know that there are occasional situations where that happens. Like, for example, I believe uh, Sarah Sivian, her first year on the Carolina beat, I think the Hurricanes were just so starved for coverage. They needed that, someone covering that, the team. That they offered to include her on the plane, and like she would have to pay for like food and stuff, but she wouldn't have to pay for travel because they so desperately wanted someone writing about the team. But that's very much an anomaly. That's not a normal okay. thing. I have never been on the Flyers team plane. I probably will never be on the Flyers team plane. Um, the companies I've worked for do pay for my trips. They pay for my travel and then, or I pay and then I get reimbursed. But yeah, and that's how, like, that's how it works. That's how it was. Uh, you know, at my previous employers, if you're going to travel for anything, you either, they do it for you. It's not the team paying. Yeah. It's either, you know, expense it or they just book it for the you. The only exception is like, for example, the 
broadcasters are on the team plane. Like Jim Jackson, yes. like the radio guys, they travel with the team because they are part of kind the of sort of team employees. Yes. So yes. <laughs> like, even if they're not team employees, they're owned by the same corporation. <laughs> exactly. You know. Uh, let's do one more. Uh, what happened here? At JF Marini, uh, it seems Philly's bid for... Uh, it seems Philly's bid for Shane Pinto has fallen through, but there are other players in the league, uh, like Lafreniere, uh, who are young, have value, decent ceilings, but might, might not fit their team's roster. Anyone on your radar the Flyers should target, how might they do it? I'll be honest with you, there's no one on my radar because I have not had the time to scour other teams' rosters, given the fact that I'm starting a new job. It, that said, like, yeah, they should obviously keep their eye out. You know, you never know when you can have a reclamation project such as, like, Owen Tippett. And obviously, that was a different situation because you're trading away your, your captain and franchise players. But there's always those... Yeah, you, th those guys. I mean, look at last year, and the Flyers ultimately got the wrong one of these guys, but look at last year with the Ole Tolvanen. I mean, Seattle looks like they got a real player, a super Superstar? No. But Tolvanen looks like he's going to be a goal scorer, and they got him for nothing because he got put on waivers. And Flyers absolutely, given where they're at, should be keeping their eye out for guys that may have fallen out of favor always, but have talent. Always look for those little victories on the margin. Like, that's yeah. what, especially in-season moves, like, it's not like superstars just become available. Oh, this 22-year-old superstar is going to be, you can trade. No, you can't. Yeah, and, and like, <laughs> like, that I, doesn't I, happen. I, I know we hear a lot about, yeah. about Lafreniere, and I get it. He ain't getting traded to the... Well, they're not doing Number that, right? one, he's not getting traded to the Flyers. Number two, I don't think he's getting traded, period. Okay. Because I think they just... They realize there's something there and they need to get it out of it. And sometimes those guys just take a little, like... Sometimes those you, guys just stink. You don't... Like, they do. They do. <laughs> but sometimes they might just take a little longer and... Like, if I have a guy like him, and especially, okay, he has, like, what are you getting for him? I'd rather just find out. Exactly. Like, I'd rather exactly. just find out, and if he busts, all right, well, too bad. Yeah. Like, all right. And that is all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers uh, today. We will be back tomorrow at 2.30 for our uh, you know, recap of tonight's game yeah. and looking more at these roster battles. So make sure you tune into that. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Search PHLY Flyers. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on YouTube. Do all of the things. Yeah, please, please subscribe if you haven't. I'm yeah. sure most of the people at least watching live have. But if you're, if you're watching, if you're listening more from a podcast standpoint, it really would help us. The, the more subscribers, the better. We're obviously trying to get this thing off the ground. So would really appreciate your support in any way possible. Yeah, hook us up. Do the thing. You know, come on. It's us. We're giving you content. You know us. Uh, so that's it. Thank you all for uh, everything so far. We'll be back tomorrow. For Charlie O'Connor, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great day, Philly. Thank you.